Well, good morning. You're listening to Real Life, Real People Radio on this Sunday morning. Thank you for joining us today. We are so thankful that you're here on this Sunday morning. We are continuing our series on Tell Your Story for God's Glory. And we have had several people come in and and tell us their story, and it's been so amazing. So today I have another interviewee, and his name is Pastor Craig Clark. He is the pastor of the First United Methodist Church here in Mount Vernon, and we look forward to hearing what he has to say today. But before we get started, I want to thank our sponsors, those individuals, you know who you are, who sponsor us each month. Thank you so much for believing in this radio show and believing in God and knowing that God wants us to take a moment and just listen to what He's telling us. And and through these interviews, we can do just that. And also, for Mount Pleasant Eye Care Center and Dr. Brian Nichols, we thank you so much for sponsoring us as well. And finally, Realtor Brent Gardner from Texas Lake and Land, we thank you so much for sponsoring us each month. So before we get started, we would like to invite you to sit back, relax, grab your favorite cup of coffee, grab hold of your Bibles, but most importantly, grab hold of Jesus, and He will bring the Bible to life for you. Let me lead us in a word of prayer before we get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we just love you, and we thank you for what you're doing right now in our life, in our world, and just all around us. We see evidences of you and manifestations of your glory. Thank you for just telling us some things that we each need to hear and for showing us that we each have a story to tell for your glory. And so, Lord, may we not forsake doing that and and telling our stories and trusting you and listening to what you have to tell us each and every moment. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, for without him, we could do nothing. And so thank you for being with us, Lord, and guiding us as you do. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I am happy to introduce to you Pastor Craig Clark, and thank you, Craig, for joining us this morning. How are you? Good morning, Jill. I am just wonderful, and thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you and your sponsors and your listeners. It's an honor to be here. Yes, it's an honor to have you. So I know that you um, have a story for God's glory. We've talked about it, and there's some things about your story that I know that our listeners will enjoy hearing, not only enjoy hearing, but be inspired by. So before you go into your story, tell us a little bit about what you do right now. Well, currently I'm the senior pastor at Mount Vernon First John Methodist Church, and I've been here since July of 21, of transplant from Oklahoma. We moved to Texas in, in 2018 and served for a short time at Honey Grove United Methodist Church, beautiful community, until the cabinet and the bishop and the Holy Spirit moved me here right, to Mount Vernon. Right. We're so glad that you are here in Mount Vernon. What do you like about Mount Vernon? I mean, what would you say if someone said, how do you like being in Mount Vernon? <laughs> well, it's a fantastic community. The people mm-hmm. here are just amazing. We we felt at home right away. Matter of fact, my first sermon uh, to the church here was a conversation about uh, moving to a new place and finding a new family. And God has really answered that uh, that call. We asked the church mm-hmm. if we could be more than just uh, 
uh, the new pastor. We wanted to be a new part of the family, and they mm-hmm. have just embraced us. But the mm-hmm. whole community has. It's yes. just a wonderful, wonderful place. We've gotten to know some of the students here at the high school and the elementary kids and and just found there's just the whole community is rich with family i totally agree with you and we're so glad that that you are here and what brought you to your calling you are a pastor and have you always been a pastor i mean when did you i am a second career pastor okay my original studies was in chemistry i went to oklahoma state university majored in chemistry and thought I was going to just be a chemist. I started working for General Electric and okay. uh, selling industrial chemicals to uh, oil refineries and paper mills and any large consumer of, of specialty chemicals and was successful and thought, this is it. I'm going to mm-hmm. do this the rest of my life. We we referred to GE as Generous Electric because right. they, they were uh, uh, the pay was above average. The retirement benefits were good. I had the best health care you could ask for. It was just a really good career, and I thought I was always going to do that. And then God had other plans. Yes, God well, that's what I plans. want to talk about. Yes. So tell us, for how many years were you in that career? So I worked in that the career field for 15 years mm-hmm. uh, out of college and thought I was going to do it forever. And uh, just one day, I was active in the church. I had met my wife, and we were very active in our local church, and... God called me to do something else. Yes, yes. So I had been part of a Sunday school class, and we'd been in it for a number of years. And the associate pastor asked me if I would go over to the nursing home, a place called the Methodist Manor, which was just around the corner, and lead their Sunday school class. And I thought, well, sure, I'll do that. And it was just one Sunday. So I prepared a lesson. I even had some handouts. And I go, and I had trouble finding where they were meeting, but I heard the piano, and so I found a sweet little chapel. And all of them were gathered there in the chapel, and I thought, well, I guess they're having chapel service, and after chapel, I'll teach Sunday school. So I sat on the back pew, and the lady kept playing the piano, and finally someone tapped me on the shoulder, and she said, honey, we're waiting on you. (laughs) And it dawned on me that I wasn't going to teach a Sunday school class. They wanted me to lead their worship service. Oh, wow. And so I had no clue, never done that. And so... uh, I took my Sunday school lesson, I walked to the podium, and uh, I asked them how it was done, and they said, well, usually we sing a couple songs, and so I led them through some songs, and then I took my Sunday school lesson and preached it. And so I I felt for the first time uh, as I was speaking that God was speaking through me. It was mm-hmm. so powerful. When I got done, I, my wife said, I didn't, th- I didn't know you could do that. And I wow. said, I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> I didn't know I could but do that. But God did. But God clearly did. And when you're walking in your purpose— it just feels right, and it works, Amen. and you just know that God is is there, and is He's the one that, that allowed you to do that. But it wasn't happenstance; it wasn't coincidence. It was not, and I don't believe in coincidence. And I don't know if I did or not at the time, but today I believe in God's providence mm-hmm. that everything happens for His purpose to His glory. And and how so? Give us some examples well, of that, that besides that, that just, example. Well, do you that, have some more that just well? You know, uh, as we were discussing earlier, when I met my wife, I was not in church, and uh, I was recently divorced and struggling to be a single father. And I remember praying. I was a praying person, but I wasn't actively involved in the church. I wasn't even a Bible reader. And I remember praying to God. I said, Father, I need you to send me someone into my life to make me a better parent, and I need someone to help me draw closer to you. 
And so he wow, did he really uh, answer in a big way. So I met my wife, and early on, we just uh, hit it off great. And she asked me early, she said, I really think if you're going to date me, you need to go to church with me. Yes. And so we began attending church together, and uh, I think we've been in church every Sunday ever mm-hmm. since. And how long have you been married? We uh, we just recently celebrated our 20th year. Oh, well, congratulations. Congratulations. Yes. I Love that she said, "If I'm going to marry you, we're going to be in church." Yeah, I mean, well, we were we weren't even talking marriage then; it was mm-hmm. dating. She said, oh, even to date dating. Me, you okay. need to go to church with me. So I thought, okay. And I thought she's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen mm-hmm. in my life. And I thought if she wants me to go to church with her, okay, if that's what it takes to to continue to date that's her. Right. That's right. I had right. no idea that I was uh, about to fall in love with God, fall in love with Jesus mm-hmm. Christ for a second time. Because mm-hmm. I, I had been, I was baptized as a teenager. I grew up in the church and I remember being on fire for Christ as a teenager, but I, that fire had been, mm-hmm. that fire had gone out. Well, I won't say it's gone out, but that fire had was not uh, as bright as it needed mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that does happen in life. You sure. know, you hear that a lot that people kind of lose their zeal. They lose the fire. Yeah. They're not tending to to the fire they're not adding what what is it called when you add things to the fire to yeah, get to you're not adding fuel to the fire right, so you're right. you're uh focusing on your career and mm-hmm. and self-advancement and even family but if you don't have christ at the center of your family mm-hmm. uh you're spinning your wheels so your life without christ was totally different completely than your different life now. completely different i was I'm, i was divorced at the time and uh and had a, a rather rocky first marriage, and so uh, absolutely, I was not uh, I was not in church, and I wasn't even uh, my prayer life was mm-hmm. was uh, was not very active as well. Did you have joy back then? You know, I, it, I, I I there were joyful times. I had a joyful uh, times. There were joyful times, but not joy. I would not say the, the spiritual joy that comes from the relationship of of walking for Christ, the fruit of the spirit that is joy. No, it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. It was. Like I said, of course I had, there were beautiful moments. My children were born and uh, that was just wonderful. I did have some success in my career, but the joy that comes from the peace, love, patience, kindness, uh, goodness, self-control, all those beautiful fruits of the spirit that we walk in each and every day in our, in our, uh, those were absent. Mm -hmm. And you said that you had moments, moments, yes, but you didn't have that constant filling that you have when you have that relationship with Jesus Christ. And so you would tell our listeners who are listening, if they don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, what are they missing? They are missing those beautiful fruits of the Spirit. So if if you don't have Christ in your life, that the I, the first fruit of the Spirit is all to me is always peace, mm-hmm. and I believe those things are uh, in that order for a reason. But peace is such a beautiful thing, and how can you really enjoy your life if your life's not at peace? Even even when things are troublesome around you, when you know. Uh, Maybe there's stress from a relationship or your job or whatever it is. That spiritual peace that comes from knowing that all things work to His glory, knowing mm-hmm. that whatever this world comes uh, throws at you, that He's going to walk beside you, that Christ is there with you. That spiritual peace, if you're if you don't have that, you're you're really missing out on something, and uh, mm-hmm. your life's never going to be never going to be uh, what it should be if you don't have that spiritual peace. Yeah. If you're not walking with Christ, and I used to think peace was the absence of problems. But really, what I have found, it's, you know, in my recent years of just growing in the Lord and my relationship with Him, 
peace is the presence of Christ Amen. in my life. Amen. And I'm like you. I grew up, you know, part of my life without Christ. Yeah. Just didn't have a relationship with him. Knew who he was, but didn't know him as my Lord and Savior. Yeah. And it's different. It is so much different. Yes. And just my life is new. I guess the scripture that says those who are in Christ are new. Made new in Christ. New the in old Christ. is gone. The Amen. new has come. And I feel like, you know, what you're describing is you stripped off that old, the old, the old clothing. Amen. And put on the new robes Amen. of righteousness that Christ gives us, the fruit of the Spirit. And what well you're said. doing as a pastor is every day you're just sharing that love and that fruit and you're shepherding and what your a blessing people. whoever whoever thought that you could uh, that a person could serve God every day I, something it was so alien to me that I could serve God every day that I could love my neighbors and God was going to call me into a vocation that that was going to be the life that I was called to do and put me somewhere and go I need you to love these people and that's my I believe that those are my marching orders every day I need you to love these people in my name to my glory Yes, love like Jesus. Love like Jesus. I have a sweatshirt that I found, and yes. I love. It says "Love like Jesus." Love and like when Jesus. I put that on, I'm like, you know, that's what we're to do. It's yeah. simple. We we try to make it so hard, but just love like Jesus, love and that like means Jesus. even love our enemies, well, those absolutely. who've hurt us. And agape is action. Agape is not an emotion. It's not a feeling. Agape is an active form of love. If you're going to agape uh, the Lord and agape your neighbors, then that takes action. It's not something you can, it's not only about feeling. I, I feel a love toward my neighbors, but I need to show that my neighbors the love of God. And that's, a, mm-hmm. that's praxis. That's action. Right. Love and action. Yeah, yes. The active love. Right. Okay, well, so tell us, you were mentioning your career before. Yes. But there was a big turning point when you were called. Tell us that story. That's a big part of your story, I believe. Almost... Part of your conversion, maybe, is I would I would say that as well. It went I went from being someone who was uh, someone who came to church to be fed to someone that said I can feed others or uh, me and God together can feed us. So I along that same line, I was continuing when I was invited. I would go over to that service about once a month, maybe every two months. I'd go over to the Methodist Manor and and preach. And I came back to Sunday school class, and I was telling my Sunday school class how much I enjoyed it. And someone said to me, they said, Pastor, they said, Craig, um, you know, you should, you should be a preacher. You're good at this. And I, and I remember, because the idea had formed in my head, I told them, I said, I think, you know, when I retire, I would love to be a preacher. And I heard in my voice, in my mind, just as clear mm-hmm. as I'm speaking to you, I'm not going to wait until you're retired. And do you think that was God's voice? Absolutely. Unequivocally. There's been a handful of times in my life where my prayers were answered so clearly, so verbally mm. that I could that I knew in that but I knew right in that instant I heard him say, I'm not waiting till you mm. retire, which was foreign to me because I had never considered doing anything but but being a chemical salesman. And at that point how old were you? I was Early 30s. Right. So you're not anywhere near retirement. No, anywhere near retirement. And I had never considered doing anything but what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And, but, and I will tell you, it didn't, it didn't necessarily make me happy. Matter of fact, it felt very heavy. Oh, it I felt bet. very heavy. Mm-hmm. And, I kept, and I started thinking about it. And I prayed about it. And I thought, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if mm-hmm. I want to. I've got a career ahead of me and the money. And the, I'm going to have a big house and drive nice cars. And preachers don't make any money. And uh, 
this is, what am I thinking? And so I prayed about it and I just got more and more convicted. This is what God wants you to do. So I told my wife and I said, dear, I think God's calling me to be a minister. And she said, we can't afford that. What do you think? We can't afford for you to be a minister. Uh, and so uh, I kind of let it go for a while, but then we talked. And so in the Methodist church, there's a very formal process to becoming uh a full-time pastor. Uh, everything in the Methodist Church has a method. And so I was assigned a mentor, someone who I just absolutely loved. And I began meeting with her regularly. And we talked about the vocation of ministry. And she said to me one day, she said, you know, if God's not calling you and your wife, then you're, 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 you've misunderstood this. This is not a calling because God's not going to call just you. He's going really? to call your family. Yes. Yeah, I like that. That's so good advice. It was great mm-hmm. advice. And so I thought, okay, well, then I guess... Clearly, my wife's not on board, and so I guess I'm just going to let this go. And so I kind of I was starting to, to do that, and then she just came to me one day, and she said, yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, God's God, us. God God's told her. Us. Yeah, yeah. Had, had just did as you, clearly she said, yeah, I, I know. God's did y'all pray about this together? Lots and lots, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that is yeah. so important, that the husband and wife come together and pray yes. about anything, any big decisions, yes. you know, whether it be career, financial, children. Yes. I mean, so many just things that come daily. And we so. were always in, in church together. And of course, we were in a, a wonderful supporting Sunday school class. And we talked about it a lot, not only as a family, but it, with this class surrounded by these other people. And, and I was just continually being affirmed that this is what God was calling mm-hmm. me to do. So she came to you and said, yes, let's, I want yes. you to do this. Then what happened? So I, uh, I started uh, the process. It's about a year and a half process to become what in the Methodist Church we call a certified candidate. And so that's someone who has been, there's a vetting process. There's also a lot of self-exploration. You, uh, you, you do a lot of, of self-study, a lot of self-prayer. Is this mm-hmm. really for you? Uh, you? You analyze everything from your relationships, uh, your family, your parents, your grandparents, your aunts and uncles, you really uh, examine those relationships. Uh, You look at yourself as a person and and wonder, uh, are you living a godly enough life to actually, uh, uh, or that someone could look at your life and go, yes, that's a godly person. That is someone called that you would want to follow their Christian leadership. You pray a lot. Mm -hmm. There's a long discernment process. And so I began to work that process. Um, and uh, eventually did become a certified candidate, and uh, which means that you're appointable at that point. You're a, you're a certified candidate. You're appointable, but um, you're not yet ordained. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, so that's what. And then you, so you went through that process, mm-hmm. but at the time, you're still working for this company I was still working. GE, yeah, I was right. still working for an industrial water. At the time, the GE uh, bought and sold oh. and bought and sold different companies. So I was, at the time, I was working for a different company called uh U.S. Water. And so I'd become a certified candidate and I was uh, eligible to be appointed. Uh, and, you know, I expected a small church somewhere in a rural area. So, but the appointment process came and went for that year. Appointment season in the Methodist Church is in the spring and all the new Methodist pastors start their job on June 1st okay. in Oklahoma. So mm-hmm. here it was getting, uh, getting awful close to June and I hadn't been appointed. And I thought, okay, well, I'm this, you know, I thought I was going to get appointed maybe next year. But I also was thinking, okay, if I didn't get appointed, I probably, this is, this again, this is God telling me maybe this was not ever meant for me. And so uh, at the time, my career was at its highest. I was, I was making more money than I ever made. Uh, I, I tell the story about how the devil was pouring money in my pocket because uh, I was suddenly being very, very tempted to stay in that career because I was being very successful. They, best year ever, maybe? It, it was by far my best year ever. I was, I had, 
I was helping. There were ethanol plants being built in the Texas Panhandle, and those are those were my specialty was water treatment and fuel additives, and so that those were right in my wheelhouse. And so I was helping to start these ethanol plants up in in Northeast Texas, and it was very demanding, very chemically demanding, and so my my expertise was needed. And so suddenly I was making a lot of money, and I was at a I'd been called to a meeting in uh i think it was in indianapolis at the time big meeting for the uh a big corporate level meeting uh and i won all kind of awards they were patting me on the back and handing me awards and i i had the some of the highest sales in the company and uh and i thought okay well this is uh and we had a policy at that meeting that if you if they flew you all the way from your home state to this meeting you had to attend every minute of the meeting and if you had to be out of the room it cost you five dollars a minute to be out of the room oh wow they were like you have to be here for every minute Mm -hmm. well they called me up front they gave me a big reward and patted me on the back and they told me that i could be excused for the rest of the afternoon they called me a limousine to take me back to the airport and i had had already flied out i go i could I was I wasn't going to have to do the training that everyone else had to do because I was doing so well. And so uh, that was a beautiful, beautiful moment in my career. But I was the whole day. What they didn't know is I was praying all day long because I knew that the appointment process was all but over. And And so in one aspect, you're happy about your career with that company, but kind of disappointed. Disappointed because I had all I would just completely convinced that God had called me Mm -hmm. to serve a, a local church. Well, and the other thing was. I so this is taking a step back weeks before I was in Sunday school class and we were talking to a group of people and I had a meeting that day with a what we call a district superintendent they're the people that make the appointments they work with the bishop to appoint people uh, uh, around the state and I had a meeting scheduled that afternoon and I said to someone I said please pray for me I've got this meeting and I think it might end up in me being appointed to a church. Right. And one of the ladies in my Sunday school class, she said, you know where you need to do? You need to go to Gore, Oklahoma, because I know they need a pastor in Gore, Oklahoma. I heard a bell ring. I heard a bell ring in my mind. Oh. And I knew God was going to send me to Gore, Oklahoma. Now, I I have, in my career, there are very few moments where I feel like I've had a prophetic word that's told me what's coming next. But I went home and I told my family, family, I think we're going to get we're going to move to Gore, Oklahoma. And I had never been to Gore, Oklahoma. I was going to ask you, I, had you been there? I had actually, well, I had actually rode a bicycle through mm-hmm. Gore, Oklahoma one time on a bike ride. Where is uh, it? So Gore, Oklahoma is in eastern Oklahoma. Okay. It's not far. Uh, Sequoia County borders. It's a, it's a long, thin county that runs east to west. It borders Arkansas, but I was on the other end of the county. But mm-hmm. uh, So it's uh, maybe 30 miles from the Arkansas border in eastern Oklahoma. Okay. So I'd gone home. I told my family. We got on the internet. We looked at Gore, Oklahoma. We looked at it through Google Maps, and so uh, I just knew I was going to Gore, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. But I, again, the appointment process—it was getting late. It was almost June, and I hadn't been appointed. And so I'm at this meeting. They call me a limousine. They send me to the airport, and I'm in the back of that limousine, and my phone rings, and it is my dis- district superintendent, a, a, a wonderful lady, and she said. If she said, uh, Craig, if you'll take it, I've got a church I'd like to appoint you to in Gore, Oklahoma. Oh, and wow. I, no. And I broke down in tears. Oh, I bet. I broke that's, down in tears. That's really amazing. Yes. yes. I mean, you heard from God. And I you said you heard God. a bell ring? I heard a bell ring, like a church bell ring in my mind when she said oh. it. And my family thought I was crazy. We, they, I mean, out of all, I, it could have been any church in the state. Uh-huh. I knew that she was the lady uh, that was uh, this district superintendent. And for uh, 
her name is escaping me at the moment, but uh, that she was in the eastern part of the state, mm-hmm. but she had 800 churches. Mm-hmm. So it could have been anywhere. But um, I just knew. I went home yeah. and told my family. I said, I think this is where we're going to be appointed. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a lot of stories like that, but this is one of them where mm-hmm. I just knew God was sending me there. And it was just this, I think it was to reassure mm-hmm. me because uh, those days leading up to that, and it was a very late appointment in the appointment process. It was just so dark for me because mm-hmm. I just was wondering. I felt so set aside. I'm like, God, you called me to do this. Did you call me to do this just to set me aside and not let me? Surely not. But, right, uh, right. And then when you got the appointment, yes. you went and you said late, like about July of so, that year, August. So I was appointed. This was probably two weeks before June. And so oh, I had okay. two weeks to, to resign my commission, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and but we did. I, I resigned my position at... Uh, uh, U.S. Water and accepted this position to, mm-hmm. to go and serve a small church. How was that? Was it, was it, a, it everything was, you could have dreamed of as far as it the... was? It was amazing and it was also terrifying. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what was coming down the pipe. And I really, looking back, I was very unqualified, very mm-hmm. unqualified. I had a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of love, but what I didn't have was a lot of formal education. I uh, mm-hmm. Not only preaching is something I've always been good at. I've always uh, praised God. It's been a gift that I could, I could uh, proclaim the word of God. I could read the scripture and then share that with enthusiasm and, and some knowledge. But what I wasn't prepared for was the administrative side, for the pastoral care right. side, right. for running a church, for th- for growing a church. But uh, that first church was a wonderful place to to learn and to grow. Mm-hmm. It was a small uh, rural church, but it quickly grew under under uh, our leadership, Christina and I's leadership, and turned into a very healthy, thriving church. And uh, we've we have a lot of fond memories of some really mm-hmm. powerful ministry that we were able to do mm-hmm. there. That that first appointment, six years. Six years. I was going to ask you. That's great. Now, so from that story, there's so much in that, and I just appreciate it because I see where a lot of people could really relate to that. They're going, you know, one place, making their plans, things are working out. And then there's just something missing. Like there's almost like an emptiness. There was there was an emptiness, and the whole idea of repenting. And so you yeah. know, like you think when you repent, it's because I always thought repenting was well. And for me, when I was young, I smoked when I was a teenager, and I thought, you know, repenting is quitting smoking. You know, repenting mm-hmm. is quitting being so mean. Repenting is mm-hmm. is instead of spending my time squandering my time is praying every day. But this was a moment of repenting. This was a moment where my life turned around. I was going the way I wanted to go, and this was a moment I turned around and went the way that God wanted me to go. And, and that that's, rem- that's the, repentance. Yeah, and that reminds me of John the Baptist. Yes. Tell us a little bit about him and how he would proclaim that to people repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Absolutely. So uh, I, just, I just finished preaching this past week on John the Baptist, and his message was, Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. A beautiful passage. And what really fascinated me about John it was John was in the wilderness, that John didn't, you know, I think of John as a street evangelist. John's mm-hmm. going to stand, you know, I see uh, someone who's going to, a uh, street evangelist or maybe dragging a huge wooden cross around, and he puts himself right in the middle of a crosswalk where you, you've got, you can't mm-hmm. avoid, but go to, uh, can't see avoid him. the person, yeah. Yeah. and they get right in your face and tell you, you need to repent for the kingdom of God is near. But the thing about John was he wasn't at the center of town. Jerusalem was uh, uh, days walks away from John. He was in the wilderness. The people that came to John left Jerusalem, traveled through the wilderness to go and hear his message. And his message was to repent for the kingdom of God was coming. His, his task was to make straight the paths for Jesus Christ. 
And so that was his calling. He was calling people to repent because one who is greater than I is near. Mm-hmm. So beautiful mm-hmm. message. And I, I take a lot of, of direction from John. Make right. straight the paths. And so a lot of times, especially when you're trying to reach new people for Christ, mm-hmm. you pray, Holy Father, when I finally have the courage or the moment or the opportunity to speak on your behalf, I know he's going to meet me there. I know he's there ahead of me, that those paths just through the act of prayer and the willingness of a servant to go, those paths are being straightened out so that Christ can come into the lives of these people mm-hmm. that we're called to reach, mm-hmm. our neighbors. Yeah, definitely. So what would be a verse right now besides, you know, what you just yeah. said about John the Baptist? That's, that's really good. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Do you have a life verse or one that right now you just keep hearing, you know, as the Lord speaks to you that you could share with our listeners, someone that maybe has lost hope or doesn't know the way to go or what their calling is? Yes. If God is with us, who can stand against us? Oh, yes. If God is with us, who can stand against us? Romans 8, 35. If yes. that's wrong, forgive me. <laughs> oh, it's uh, not wrong. wrong. So uh, uh, if God is for us, who can stand yeah. against us? Yeah. Yes. And so what does that mean to you, that God is always yes. going to be there? So, so you know, all of, us, all of us measure success or victory in different ways. But I do know if we, if we go out and do what God's called us to do, we may not see the success. We may even feel defeated, but mm-hmm. we know that if we're doing the Lord's work, that God's Word never returns empty-handed. God's yes, never. Word never returns empty. And like Proverbs sixteen three says, commit your works to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Amen. And that's exactly what you what you have done. You could have gone the other way. You could have stayed in that limo and yeah. told told her no. And said, no, and, that's not you know, I'm that, doing right. so well in my career. I think I'll pursue this. Yes. But you committed your way to the Lord. Amen. And your plans, his plans succeeded for you and your wife. And it's been a it's been a beautiful ride. Again, we just absolutely love it here in Mount Vernon. Never would have experienced what it was like to live in Mount Vernon and to serve in Mount Vernon and, and to do so just last night we had a uh, get together for the youth group at my church and just seeing these young Christians on fire oh, as we circled it. up mm. to close the night we asked would anybody like to pray and a young man just boldly with courage oh, yes. uh, led our closing prayer and when he said my holy father I almost wanted to look around because I thought maybe his dad was in the room he said father mm. with such familiarity that this father was God the Father was His Father. It was just, it just sounded like He was talking about His dad in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful, but yes. those kind of moments would never have come right. uh, had I not accepted the call to to serve God and be. Right. I had no idea what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and the revival that you're seeing all around oh, you, and that's all that's part of revival. Having yes. the youth get on fire for the Lord. And we've been really fortunate. Well, I've been appointed generally my the the appointment process in the Methodist Church. They like to move us around frequently, mm-hmm. and I'm generally appointed into churches that have that need reconstituted. And mm-hmm. God has just blessed us that we are able to successfully yes. do that. We come into churches that seem to be declining or, or aren't thriving, and we're able to see God breathe new life into those churches. And it's just such a beautiful thing to be a part yeah. of. And it's I'm, really exciting. Yeah, and thank you for what you. Are doing and and how you are serving and the fruit that you are receiving and sharing with other people. 
Thank you, Jill. And another, you know, the program that we're involved together is yes. such a beautiful thing. Mount Vernon Cares. I've been invited to take part in this. I've got a young man that I mentor to that I would never have gotten this close to without mm-hmm. uh, just offering ourselves into this yes. ministry just to just to be present mm-hmm. and encouraging and just to be someone positive in the life of a high school student. Right. It's just such a beautiful gift. Yeah. Like loving like Jesus. Loving you do like that Jesus. so well. Well, both you and your wife are involved and, and y'all do. I watch what you do and she makes food for all of y'all and brings it and that that takes time and love and you pour love into those students and so i get to watch that every week as y'all come so i want to thank both of you and well it is a it is a great pleasure it's one of the most rewarding ministries that we've been a part of oh thank you yes thank you yeah everyone needs love and to know that someone Mm -hmm. cares and so i i what i'm really looking forward to i've got the young man i'm mentoring as a freshman i cannot wait and to watch him graduate and that's my goal there's a goal encourage this person Mm -hmm. throughout his high school career and to see them thrive and succeed and i'm i'm already seeing that i'm seeing this person mature and become Mm -hmm. uh, just a fine young man i'm I'm just uh, thankful to be along for the ride yes yes well how awesome god is that he put you here for that time just think about it if you hadn't said yes i mean you wouldn't be helping him and being he blesses you as you come if that was the only fruit and it's far from it but if that was the only fruit that came from this journey it would have been worth the journey but it's absolutely not we are seeing we are seeing fruit all around oh yes you are definitely well thank you again and i would like to ask that you um, just remember um, we love you and you're you are making a difference here and can't wait to to see more fruit. Come. Thank you, Jill. As are you. I'm, yes. uh, there's so much uh, good that we can all do together as Christians. Yes, it's amen. A, so do some to good today, right? One we another. can all do good. Amen. So would you close us in prayer? I'd be honored. Okay, thank Let you us, again. And thank you, and thank you, your listeners and your sponsors, for having me today. Oh, of course. Let's yes. pray together. Loving and holy God, what a joy it is to sit and spend this time sharing the blessings that you've rained down on us. Holy Father, it feels so very good to say yes Mm -hmm. when you're the one asking. Holy Father, we thank you for the courage to fulfill our purpose. We pray your blessing upon this ministry. We pray today that for each and every soul that have joined us, for each and every ears that hears, that they might hear the proclaimed word of God, the gospel message that Jesus Christ came. He died for our sins, has been lifted into heaven, and will come again one day. Holy Father, we pray your blessing on each and every soul that hears this message, that may they go forth and proclaim the good news as well. We ask your blessing on our efforts in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Real Life, Real People Radio. If you would like to hear more episodes, simply search Real Life, Real People Radio on Apple, Google, and Podbean Podcasts. And remember, every day will be a good day when you get real with God. Real Life, Real People Radio, copyrighted 2022. All rights reserved.